Thank you. It's a <clears throat> privilege to be able to uh, spend some minutes with you this morning around the Word. Can you hear me? I'm wired for sound, and I've just remembered to turn the button on, so I'm feeling quite proud of myself. I can move away, and you can still hear me. It's a great thing. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I've had the privilege of speaking in many Salvation Army halls around the world, and I'm always fascinated by what's being hidden behind the pulpit. And uh, I've found ornaments and songbooks and Bibles and dead flowers and medals and even a Oscar award, a fake one, I think, which I actually took for myself because I thought it was for me. And uh, I came here this morning thinking, well, there's no way because it's glass. But there is duct tape on the pulpit. I'm just not sure what the significance is. I don't know whether it's a message for me, whether you think something's going to fall over, but I do know that everybody should carry duct tape wherever they go, right? It's electrical tape, is that what you call it? Do you call it duct tape? I have no idea why it's here, but thank you. (laughs) If it's a gift, I receive it gratefully. And if it's not for me, I'm taking it anyway because I need some at home. If Peter had been able to be here this morning, Peter is the one we're giving the credit to for the letter uh, from which we read this morning in our Bible reading. If he had been here, if he had been able to be here, I think he would have been jumping in his seat uh, because his heart would have been amen and hallelujah and praise the Lord and do it again uh, because of that which we have sung and that which we have shared. Uh, He would have been right here with us. And it's reflective, obviously, of the tone and the nature of the letter he has written. Uh, He writes, as I think, imagine in my mind, that he might speak, sort of full of energy and full of passion and full of rush, because his was a heart that was captured, absolutely captured, by the wonder and the beauty and the majesty and the power of God, and he was a heart that was overwhelmed by his own personal experience of God's love, of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's favor, of God's goodness to him. He would have been a ready and willing testifier to the transformation power that had come into his own life through an experience of God by placing his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. And actually, when you read his letter, you can see in his letter excitement, This is a letter that is exciting. You can see in the letter passion. You can see that he can't get the words on the paper fast enough. What's coming out of his mouth, he can't get on the paper. That's why these opening chapters are just, it's just like boom, 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 as he's telling us about how great God is, as he's calling us to praise and to affirm and to worship this God of mercy, this God of love, this God of salvation. He can't wait to get to the next bit where he's telling us about how cool Jesus is. And he holds him up even in the first verses of his chapter, his opening part of his letter. He holds Jesus up as sort of the ultimate example, the ultimate defining moment where God demonstrates the greatness of his love in this person of Jesus Christ. So if Peter was here this morning and he heard our songs, holy, holy, holy God, and faithful is our God, and let's give praise and honor and glory to our God, he would not have been able to contain himself. If he had been here, I would not have got to preach. He would have taken over because he would have been just affirming, affirming, affirming all that we have been saying. 
And it's interesting that in Peter's mind, there is this understanding that he is in his response to all that God has made available to him in Christ Jesus. He's compelled by love to offer himself back. This is the amazing thing, that yes, even following his restoration, Peter finds himself wanting to offer himself back. And in fact, in the second part of his opening chapter, before we even get to the one that I want to speak about this morning, uh, he is calling us, he's pleading with us, he's urging us in light of God's goodness, in light of God's grace, in light of God's mercy towards us. He's saying, come on, what are you going to offer back? How are you going to present yourself back to this great God? Uh, Can't you see yourself loving him too? Can't you see yourself wanting to praise him too? Can't you see yourself wanting to give yourselves to him? uh, to, To be a testimony and to be a witness? Come on, let go of the stuff. Let go of the stuff that might displease God. Let go of the stuff that might discredit God. Let let go of the stuff that might in some way inhibit your relationship with God. Peter, he's urging us with excitement and passion. Throw it off. Throw it off. If it's in any way not consistent with your connection to the master, throw it off. And then he can't help himself, because in chapter 2, man, this guy, a bit like me right now, he's just winding himself up, man. He's getting so excited and so enthusiastic. He, he uses more metaphors than you can think of. First of all, you're babies, and you're being encouraged to, to seek and hunger after God like you would for pure milk. And then in the next minute, uh, not only is Christ a living stone, but you are living stones. And then in the next minute, you are priests. And, um, it just goes on and on and on as he tries to find metaphors to describe something of the beauty and the wonder and the truth of who we are as individuals and as a people because of our connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to celebrate, and he wants us to understand and to celebrate this unique opportunity that has been presented to us while we're taking up time on the planet to live with this high and holy purpose. That is, that our living, that our space on the planet, that our purpose might actually be to bring honor and glory and praise to the God of our creation. That that's actually why we're here. That that's reflective of what it is that we're breathing for. It's a beautiful concept for us to play with in our minds this morning. Somewhere in this building, and quite honestly, I have not been able to find it, there's a plaque, and that plaque will say something like, dedicated to the glory of God on such and such a date, you know, by General Booth or somebody. I have no idea. Do do you know? Have you seen it? Do you know where it is? Can you find it? Hello. Maybe not on this building. Maybe there's not a plaque on this building. In most Salvation Army buildings, there's a plaque somewhere that defines the purpose of the building. It says this building actually was built and dedicated to the glory of God. That in some way, even the fabric of the building, but more importantly, its purpose and its use might be a place 
where God is honored, where God is glorified, where God is worshipped, where, where God is given his rightful place. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that even on this street, actually, the very fact that your flag is flying and your doors are open, there is a sense in which the building itself becomes a testimony to the glory of God, to the truth that there are still men and women on the planet who want to honor God, who want to praise God, who want to lift God high. Now, Peter, in his writing, particularly in the second chapter, when he starts getting into this hunger after God, he leads into this statement that when you come to him, Christ the living stone, you too are becoming living stones. You are being built into something. You are being brought into something that is for the praise and for the honor and for the glory of God. I learned a Hebrew word. Whew, it's impressive one word. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But I learned this word. Uh, it's the word masivot. Some of you may have heard it before. It's a Hebrew word. It simply means stone. That's all it means. It just means stone. But it has connections in the Old Testament to at least two occasions. One, when Moses had finally freed the children of Israel and they'd made it across the Red Sea, and there was a moment where they built an altar to the Lord to celebrate and to remember God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's salvation, that they had been made free, that they were now a people. They celebrated by making this altar out of stones, massivot, stones, and they came to have this meaning behind the word Matthevolt of what happened here. In other words, what was significant here that would make us put an altar that we would remember something by, Massivot stones. When they entered into the promised land, you'll know the story that the priests actually were asked to carry stones on their shoulders as they walked across. And when they got to the other side, they also built another altar that God had fulfilled their promise. He had said that they would get a promised land, and now they were entering into the promised land. So they built this stone altar so that they would remember. And in the Bible, it actually says, you will be able to tell your children and your children's children what happened here. And this will be a sign of God's faithfulness, of God's promise, of God delivering on what he would say. And then we jump through to Peter, and here's Peter inviting us to consider Christ the living stone. Massivot, what happened here? Christ, the one who brings reconciliation. Christ, the one who brings forgiveness. Christ, the one who brings hope. Christ, the one who brings eternity, all in his reign, all made available to us. When we look at Christ upon the cross, the living stone, we might even use the Hebrew word, Massivot. What happened here? Here, God was reconciling the world to himself, demonstrating that any and all could be a part of his family that he would know us by name and call us by name and love on us and persevere with us and be patient with us, <laughs> all because of that which has been made available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, the living stone, the one that God is using to reconcile men and women to himself and to give them a future and a hope and eternity, and intimacy with him, and fellowship with him, and life with him, that we might experience his love, his grace, his power, his wisdom. 
his sustaining strength and grace for our moments of trial and moments of need. Peter's excited. He's saying to us, get into Jesus. Come on, the living stone. In fact, in the preceding verses, he's saying, hunger after Jesus. Strive after Jesus. Don't be satisfied with what you think you know today. Pursue him. He has so much more to give you, to reveal to you, to enable you to be and to do in his presence. Hunger after the living stone. And then he says, you yourselves are living stones. Living stones. Some of us are more living stones than others. Okay, that went... I tried. (laughs) Living stones. Living massivots. Living testimonies. You're a testimony to the grace and to the mercy of God. You're a trophy of God's love. You're an example of the love and grace that has been manifested to you through your willingness to come to him who is the living stone. You are being built into a household of people, a nation of people. Peter says, you're like royal priests. Woo-wee. You're like royal priests designed to bring glory and honor and praise to the God of your salvation. Now, my brothers and sisters, let me quickly say, it's 10 past 12, I must finish. Let me quickly say, this is underscoring for us this morning an emphasis on our purpose. It's our purpose. Don't Don't lock your purpose necessarily in life into a job that you hold. Don't don't lock your purpose into a title or a position. Your reason for being, it's much deeper, it's much wider, it's much broader, it's much more impactful than any of that stuff. You're here so that you might give glory and praise and honor to God. This is your purpose the very living of your life as a living stone, as a living part of the household of God, not just collectively when you come here and encourage one another and cheer each other on and sing your praises, not just here, but you are the people of God. You are the children of God in the world, and you need to be looking for and sensitive to any and every opportunity that the very living of your life might in some way contribute to the honor, the praise, the glory, the majesty, the love, the mercy, the grace of the God of creation who redeemed you, who rescued you, who saved you, who brought you into his family. That you might sing his praises that you might glory in his name, that you might be a living example and testimony to what it is to be in intimate and unique fellowship with the God of your salvation who also happens to be the God of the universe. Now, when I think about that in my own life and think about this whole thing of my connection to Christ through faith, 
This metaphor that Peter is using that Christ is a living stone, that he's building something beautiful, he's the capstone, he's the rock at the bottom, he's holding the whole thing together. We're being built into this family that, that, that worships, that adores, that praises God. I, I recognize that it's beyond my service. It's beyond the things I do. It's, it's as much about who I am as the things that I do. And there might be things that I do in my service that I would want to be used as a way of reminding God that I am dedicated to Him, that I do love Him. But I have to recognize also that who I am uh, is part of the deal. Who, who I am also tells a story, reveals something, gives credit somewhere. And Peter's urging us to see that who we are can bring credit and glory to God. Paul said, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart, not just to men, but for the Lord. Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, therefore I urge you to offer your whole lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You need to see, brothers and sisters, that as living stones, the very way you live your life from the moment we pronounce the benediction and leave this place has so much potential for good. And it's so practical, actually. It's so practical. Because this is now about the nature of my relationships. This is now about my approach to my work. This is now about the things I think about. This is now as practical as the things I say. This is about what kind of husband I am, what, what kind of father I am, what kind of grandfather I am, what kind of work colleague I am, what kind of person I am when nobody sees me, when I'm on my own. I, I have to learn this lesson for myself that actually in every and all of these situations, there is potential for me either to glorify and honor the God of my salvation or not. And that in any moment, I have the opportunity to turn that which might be considered mundane or ordinary or out of the box, I have the potential to turn any and all of that stuff into beautiful acts of worship that bless the Lord that glorify his name and that testify to the fact that I understand that by his love and his grace and his mercy, I too am a living stone, a redeemed child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So that no element of my life, my coming and going, my in and my out, no element of it needs to be excluded from the worship that I offer to the King. And that fact, when I apply myself to this, there is a growing consistency between the confession of my mouth and that which I offer Him on Sunday and that who I am and what I do Monday through Saturday. You are a royal priesthood. You are by faith a people who belong to God. You are being built up into a beautiful worldwide family of God's people 
who bring salt and light and love and healing and forgiveness and restoration individually and collectively because you understand that your purpose, your reason for being is that you might bring glory and honor and credit and praise to the God who is your salvation. Hear the word of the Lord. Receive the title this morning, Living Stones, Royal Priesthood, a people belonging to God that you might declare His praises, bring honor and glory to Him. And even in this week, the very living of your lives in the most simple but yet holy ways will push back darkness and bring in the light of the kingdom. May it be so. Let us pray together. The living word, God's word, interacts with our spirits and our minds, and it's helpful for us to have even just a few moments to reflect on what the Lord might be saying to us this morning in the midst of these thoughts. We are being encouraged to hunger and thirst after Christ like a baby would pure milk. Do I do that? We're being encouraged to press into Christ, who is the living stone, who brings with him forgiveness and cleansing and healing and reconciliation. Have I pressed into Christ? We're being reminded this morning that as redeemed children of God, we have a beautiful invitation to see ourselves as living stones, royal priests, <laughs> a people belonging to God. Let me ask myself and let you ask yourself, is that statement reflective of how I live and orientate myself? Is the glory of God revealed in the way in which I live? Do I celebrate him? Do I give him credit? Do I testify him? Do I modify my life that he might be revealed? Hear the word of the Lord, people of God. You are designed to bring glory, credit, and praise to his name.